Thank you, Lord. Turn with me over to uh, Matthew chapter 28, just for a moment. Uh, those of you that have been with us, certainly in the last few weeks, but over the last two years, really, we're seeking after an understanding of coming into the blessing of Abraham and then through co- that, that available through covenant, and then that really coming into this now awareness of this season of the church or the history of mankind that is God with us, that God being Jesus's objective for us, <clears throat> or really the whole, the whole history so far of humankind has been God trying to be with mankind, living life with them, dwelling with them, interacting with them, being our <clears throat> partner for life. Uh, we see that in the, in the very first part of the Bible in Genesis where God is interacting, he's created Adam at this point, Eve is about to show up, but you know, you have this walking in the cool of the day thing that's happening where God's interacting with humankind, then the only voice in uh, Adam and Eve's ears are God's. And then, um, you know, that the, the apple thing happens and then God is setting in motion, how do you get back to that place again? And so we have then Moses coming and the, God releasing the word of God to us so that we can start even having access to the truth, having access to the word of God. God's intention then is that it would fill our lives, train up a child in the way that he will go kind of stuff. And, and then we see that that manifests itself, that word of God manifests itself in Jesus and then Jesus becomes that gateway then through which we can be uh, uh, infilled with the Holy Spirit. And the, so then that, what that means is that the objective, at least as we know it so far, the objective of God in our lives has been to get us back to the place where the Holy Spirit is now our mentor, where the Holy Spirit becomes our guide, our paraclete is the term that's used in, in the scripture, which can be defined as helper or advocate or, as we'll talk about today, we're going to look at it from the perspective of him being our translator and understanding then his interaction with us primarily in the beginning is to help us to understand the things of God. And so let's just dig in there. We'll just take some, a couple of foundational pieces first. In the end of Matthew, um, this is when Jesus is about to leave the earth. And he gives us what's referred to as the Great Commission. And that Great Commission holds, really gives us three very specific instructions. Go into all the world and make disciples. Then number two, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then three, teach them to obey all things which I have commanded you. And so um, I think that at least how I am uh, relating to this is that sort of what has happened to us in the, in the modern church context is that we've kind of focused on the Paulian stuff and the, that kind of thing which comes after these kind of things that we're dealing with here. Where do we really, be, have we really become a disciple? Have we really been baptized? And then have we really learned how to obey the Holy Spirit in the interaction that we have with him? And I, I would submit to you that skipping over these very fundamental things has created a lot of problem for us uh, in, the, in the modern church, that we're trying to desperately access things that are over here uh, without first, let's make sure that we've got this stuff here at least in motion. I don't think we ever, you know, how this baptism is about selflessness and submission, d- discipleship is about submission and these type of things. And do we actually get that? I, d- I don't know if we get that 100%. But are we at least aware that, that we need to have a lot of credential in these areas before we start to go crazy dealing with those areas, you know, things that are further on in the book? And so um, I think that we can get lost a little bit simply because I can go and read Revelation and I can read Ephesians and I can read Matthew and I could read Psalms and I could go back and read Genesis and I could do that all sitting in my bed in one session, not realizing perhaps that these things kind of did have a, a, to a degree, a chronological effect. I think Paul lays that out for us in the book of Romans when he kind of 
shows us that there's a chronological process to our experience in the, in the kingdom and in the New Testament. And we have to make sure that, I think another, another issue that we kind of have had to deal with is that we are, you know, we, the typical church expression is one person talking to a whole room full of people. And there could be people here to, today even that this is the first time you've ever been to a church. Tina was talking to somebody the other day and they, you know, her cell phone, the, if, if it's after hours, the, the, the phone from here, the church forwards or something like that to her cell phone. And so the guy called and got the message of the church and asked her like, what, where is that? What is that message that I got? What, you know, and, he, and she was explaining to him and he said, oh, I've never been to, never been to a church. It was Swedish or something, right? And his comment was, it's kind of a generalist uh, uh, statement, but he said, Swedish people don't go to church. And so we, you know, he says, I've never been to a church, knew that he should, and it was gonna be the, the, the salvation of his life, but hasn't bothered to do so so far, which whatever, you know. The key to that, what I'm saying is, is that when we're trying to communicate, when we're talking about the things that we talk about in church, we c I could be talking to somebody that is a, theolo uh, you know, a doctrinal theologian at the same time, in the same room, in the same message as somebody who's just really coming into this for the first time. And the problem there is that we need, the, the, if, the, if the ways of the kingdom are chronological to some degree, then there needs to be a, a discussion about do we, are we for sure that we've got this kind of stuff going on? And that's really what our journey has been. I've mentioned this before to you. Our journey with, uh, for, the, for us as a church has been for 20 years now, do we really got the basics? You know, because if we get the basics, I'm pretty sure that it kind of gets easy after that. But we've struggled so much because we haven't really understood what the basics are. And so here we come in and we spent some time now already talking about this thing. Everybody loves this scripture, you know, teach them to obey the things which I have commanded you. All human beings think that is like, that's like ice cream and, you know, strawberries kind of talk because it's so attractive to us as human beings to learn how to submit and obey somebody else. It's just most of us really have a trouble with that at all. And so because of that, we've struggled because that is a problem for us, at least at some point in our lives, discovering how do we do it has, has proven to be, I think, a bit problematic for us as the kingdom. And so we'll take our time with it then over the next little while, especially over the summer, I think, where the different people that'll be up here and just kind of sharing and uh, interacting around some of these things will be, will be focused on this, you know, what does it mean to to thou art with me with God. What does it mean to live a life with God? Is it like we're just roommates and, you know, kind of two ships in the night? Or are we, you know, critically and intimately connected with each other, uh, you know, interacting around every decision and every facet of life and every dream and every uh, action and every thought? Are, is, are we able to develop a relationship that is that, or, or should we? And we're gonna try and just have more of a practical discussion over the summer with people who have had a bit of a, you know, spent some time trying to figure some of these things out. You know, one of my deep criticisms of the Bible when I get to heaven, I don't know that I'll keep that list going through the, you know, the pearly gate thing, but, you know, when we try to look at Jesus's life and his prayer life or his intimate life with God, we have like ridiculously complex details about that. It just simply says, he prayed. But what does that mean? Uh, we get a more of it, which is super comfortable for us as human beings. It says he prayed all night. And so it's kind of like, but where's the details, right? It's, uh, and you know, either God screwed up and didn't you know, put a particular book that explained what Jesus did or He's intending that each of us individually grow an individual relationship with the Holy Spirit ourselves. It's not a prescribed thing. It doesn't look a certain way always. It's not one size fits all. It's a 
you know, it's an evolving relationship, as all relationships are. It's an evolving process where you just get to know and live with and trust and depend on this other person in your life. And, uh, you know, as much as I make fun, I, I'm pretty certain it's B. I'm pretty certain that, that, we've, that God has left out the details. Not that there aren't details, but uh, he's left out the, you know, one, two, three, four, five on how to do this because he wants us to be developing it intimately ourselves. Uh, but the objective, let's state in the beginning, because I, I also think that the, the way our culture works, the way Christianity works, uh, often the objective of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit uh, can be off. Off in the sense that I, I was reading one of Barna's things, and uh, uh, I have some, I'm, I'm not going to go f- try and find it in my notes, but the research says that the majority of people pray to, the, to God. Uh, there's a bunch of people that also, sm- about half of that who pray to Jesus, and about half of that or less pray to the Holy Spirit, interact with the Holy Spirit when they pray. Uh, and then the, the, it, the next section of it, they somehow figured out, like, what do you pray about? And predominantly, it was, I pray about the things that I need and I think my family needs and the things my country needs and the things my president needs and the things that I need and then the things that my wife needs and then, oh yeah, the things that I need. And, oh, you know, these, that's what they pray. And everybody has those kind of delineations of my interaction in my prayer time with God is I'm looking for him to do a bunch of whole stuff for me. Uh, but the interaction with the Holy Spirit well, the Holy Spirit's job in our lives really isn't as a, a, you know, a divine genie. It's not really there. His interaction with us is not to grant all of our wishes and do, you know, he's going to get the honeydew list from us and get about the day figuring out how to get all of, all of our requests uh, fulfilled. And interestingly, when you look at all these surveys, the, you know, I go to pray and spend time with the Holy Spirit because I want the Holy Spirit to teach me the truth. That's kind of like not even an item on the survey. Nobody says that's what they're doing. Everybody has got some variation of I'm praying to God or somebody, the, the supreme being or deity or however they define them, even if they're not Christian, but it's always because I'm trying to entreat this super powerful almighty God being to do stuff for me. Instead of where what the New Testament is actually about is I need to learn how to let the Holy Spirit be my guide, my, uh, you know, show me things to come, teach me the truth, uh, you know, transform the way I see the world around me. I need to interact around these things. Is it really better to give than it is to receive? Because so far I have never experienced that. And how do you get that to happen? How do you facilitate a relationship with the Holy Spirit that has that as its objective? My objective in praying, maybe you, I mean, it's not wrong to go to God with your requests and with the things that you're believing for and to, you know, Lord, you know, asking him for things. That's not wrong. But it's not, the, it's not the interaction that you have with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job in our lives is teacher, it's guide, it's advocate, it's interpreter, it's comforter, it's those things, which is really more speaking about the Holy Spirit's role in our lives in a transformational mechanism. And so then, if I'm looking at what are my, what's the process? How do I entreat? How do I make, at least start making some yardage on having that kind of an interaction with the Holy Spirit? And so we're going to talk a little bit about that perhaps today. But I'm hoping that as different teachers come up and different people are in the pulpit over, this, over the course of the summer, uh, that that will be our, you know, at least something to do with how does it work for me? How does it work in my life? So that perhaps you, ha- you are going to have a relationship similar to the, wh- the one that I have. Perhaps you'll have one of one of the other teachers that are here. But 
important to say that mine isn't the right one and yours isn't the right one and somebody else isn't the right one. This is just stuff that we've learned, like marriage counseling or giving you tips on how to have a good marriage or how to have a good business. Doesn't mean you can just you know, superimpose this strategy onto your plan or your marriage or your business, but there are gonna be things that we can uh, share and interact around that are going to be beneficial if you just start trying some of them out. If they don't work for you, then that's okay. Try something else and see if that kind of is important and beneficial. Is it life-giving to your relationship with the Holy Spirit? And so what I'm going to try to do today is lay a few just super basic, foundational, let's make sure we understand that our objective with the Holy Spirit is one, he's going to be the agent, the involved in helping us to understand the truth. That's his job. And so when we are going into that environment, there's really two things that we need to have as absolute essentials as part of our lifestyle. The one is I need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. And we can sometimes say that, well, let's call that my prayer time. But I, I hesitate to say that because that's going to then very quickly morph into God. Can you do this for me and 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 this for me? me, me. Got to go. Busy day. See you tomorrow. Instead of cultivating uh, an environment where the Holy Spirit actually has the opportunity to talk to us about the things that we believe, about the world around us, about our uh, relationship with our Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, about our relationship with our own lives, with the relationships in our lives, with our businesses, with our fa- finances, with our health, with all of these things that are part of the th- uh, are the manifestations of the things that we already believe. If I want to change those things, I can't just change them. We've talked extensively about this. What I have to do is I have to begin to interact with the Holy Spirit about changing the things that I believe about those things. In order to do that, again, where the rubber meets the road here in our North American experience is if I'm a Christian, the way that is expressed is I go to church on Sunday and I carry a Bible. But the problem with that is that's not gonna be sufficient for uh, a, a real intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit that empowers a transformational lifestyle. And your whole life is going to be like this. And so what I'm talking about when it comes to things like prayer, I'm talking about a daily time when you have the opportunity to develop your ability to interact with the Holy Spirit. This is not, I kind of sort of talk to the Holy Spirit all day long while things are going beep and buzz and zing and zap and ding and all of these things all day long. This is a time when you are sitting with the Holy Spirit. You're focused. You're not distracted. Your cell phone is off or silent and outside of arm and eye reach. When you are quiet and when you are alone. Where you can settle down on the inside and just let the Holy Spirit talk. Now that might sound like a very strange thing at first. uh, And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But if you're not, if, if so far in your life with God... There has not been this season, this extended period of time every day. Now, extended is, you know, it doesn't happen. uh, Let me say it like this. Your objective is 2.4 hours a day. That's an objective. That's 10%. That's the tithe of your day. So if, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't start at 10 minutes or 5 minutes or 30 seconds. But your objective is going to be that it is a reasonable amount of time for you to develop a relationship, right? If your relationship with me so far is that I'm zooming down the hall and we kind of give high fives on the way by to each other, we probably don't have the kind of relationship that Tina and I have together. 
because we live, we're, we're never more than 20 feet apart. And so that is what's important about this is not that we're trying to tick off a box. Did I say good morning to the Holy Spirit today? Or, you know, it is a, you're creating or trying to create an environment in your life where you become, it becomes a normal part of your existence to interact with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a caveat here. We live in an extraordinary, never has there ever been a time when human beings have been more distracted than they are today. Can I tell you something? You could have been in, in Napoleon's army and that would have been a less distracting lifestyle than everybody lives in, in this continent. They would go, if you know anything about war and all those kind of things, you would kind of wake up early in the morning, you'd fight early in the morning, and then you'd go home, have lunch, spend the afternoon nap, and then go back tomorrow and you'd do it again. It was not a huge, complicated process. It was very orderly kind of English, you know, very orderly. Even battles were orderly. <laughs> go figure, right, Ben? Our lives are ridiculously complicated and they're very distractionary. And in order for you to seize control, you're gonna have to do that intentionally. You're gonna have to decide that your Facebook account and your Twitter account and your Instagram account and your Gmail account and your iMessage account and your every other account that beeps at you incessantly every day, all day long, it's gonna, you're gonna have to figure out how to shut it off in order for your inner reality to come to calm. Can I tell you something, Alex and I were talking, Pastor Alex and I were talking yesterday, uh, and the, the issue was the Holy Spirit does, is not gonna change in order to accommodate our culture. They, we could develop a, a thousand more things that beep us through our phones. That's not gonna change whether the Holy Spirit is gonna be okay with that or not. Simply because an interaction with the Holy Spirit is a focused interaction. It's something that you're going to have to cultivate and, and secure and keep boundaries up and, and enforce so that you have that quiet time because the Holy Spirit's voice, as you're going to discover, is not a loud voice. The beautiful thing about God in his almightiness is that he whispers. He didn't have to whisper. He could yell really super loud and, you know, scream at you until you're nothing but a puddle on the floor, but he does not do that. He's not ever going to do that. And so we have to be the ones then, if I'm going to do this, if this is actually what the New Testament is about, if reaching my destiny is about thou art with me, and learning how to live in a three-legged race with the Holy Spirit as my partner. That's really what we're doing. If I'm really going to do that, then it is, it, it's something that I'm going to have to create a lifestyle around. Can I tell you that interacting with the Holy Spirit, uh, well, let's not go there first. The second thing is you have to read your Bible. Let me tell you something. And it's, and it's gone right out of vogue in our culture. Uh, there was a time, and this is for many of you young people, there was a time when in order to watch your favorite sitcom, you could only get one episode a week. I mean, talk about a torturous existence. And every single episode ended in a cliffhanger which means you had to hold your breath from Tuesday night at eight o'clock until next Tuesday night at seven o'clock when you could pick up the story again. I, I, I know. It is a miracle that humankind has survived. It's a miracle. I, 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 you know, we should do a video. We should, where's Jessica? We need a video on all of these people who survived Network television. <laughs> the interaction with the Holy Spirit is a daily process 
of here a little, there a little, a little bit of growth, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. And you find that over an extended period of time that you have become a different person. Very little of what the Holy Spirit does is crazy nuclear explosion stuff. It happens, but that's not the norm. And if all we're doing is waiting for those crazy explosive times, then we don't experience a lot of growth, A, and we don't experience a lot of relationship. Because when it does happen, you're thinking, I don't know, was that pizza or was it, I didn't get much sleep last night, you know. I'm just not used to interacting unless I've really cultivated that as a, as a, as a process. So anyways, so the reading of the Bible has become not, a, 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 it's just not in style anymore, kind of crazy as we would have it. When, I, when Tina and I first came to the Lord, this was in 1988, I think this year, is it last year was 30 years. Um, what you did was, you, we didn't watch television. We didn't, you know, I stopped reading the newspaper for 15 years. Shockingly, nothing changed, but the, we, just did, we just stopped all of that because we didn't have time. I mean, if we're going to spend, you know, five or six or seven hours today reading my Bible, I don't have time to be, uh, doing these other things. I wasn't like, I'm, I'm not under legalism. I'm like I, I just couldn't be bothered with anything else because we were really into, remember in the day, we were into reading our Bibles and allowing the Holy Spirit in that reading time to talk to us about all the things that are in there. What we've done is our world getting so technological. That's what I was saying about, sorry, I, I lost my train of thought there with the TV programs. Now with our world becoming so technological, we all have a Bible with us all the time. I have four or five different Bible apps on my phone, three of them on my iPad. Can you fit it on an iWatch? I can't remember. Can you get a phone on, where's Brad? Can you get a phone on a a Bible on a a watch? We're we're, We're so close to it all the time, now we don't use it. Before, you had to go upstairs and get it and just sit it. Mine was probably, I don't know, my Bible is something like this big, you know, because I'm, a, I'm a one of the super Christians, you know, a Dakes. You know, Dakes is, uh, that's how you know you're a real Christian if you use the one Jesus used, which was the Dakes Bible. The, but anyways, it was something different about it. It wasn't as accessible, so we had to create a lifestyle that got us there. Now, we don't have to create the lifestyle. It comes with us all the time. And the only time we read it is when we're in the Delta Sonic and we have nothing else to do for that 30 seconds. So we pull out and read our Bible. We can't do it like that. We have to become more purposeful now to say, I need to have an objective of 2.4 hours a day. And that needs to be not power reading for 2.4 hours, but allowing the Holy Spirit to talk with me as I'm going through the scriptures and starting to understand them particularly the ones that I don't like. Because as a normal person reading the Bible, you're going to only read the scriptures that you like. You need the Holy Spirit there to talk to you about, wait, 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 did you see that one right there? You know, you read right through it because it says husbands love your wives. You know, let's get to the one where it says wives obey your husbands. Because we read through the stuff we don't like. We want to get to the stuff we do like. The job of the Holy Spirit is exactly the opposite. He wants to draw your attention to a scripture that you don't have a full revelation of yet. Which you would normally zippity-doo right through it. And so this environment, what you are going, that, that if you're looking for this, that you're going to be cultivating a time when you are slowly and deeply reading your Bible. Not reading it because you need to do a chapter today. There are many days, many days, when all I read in a day is one verse. Sometimes only half a verse. And I really want to understand what, it, it, what it's talking about, so it takes a while. There's a lot of reasons. Why did God say that? Why didn't he say something else? If he did say that, what were the words that he used? What were the pictures inside the words that he used? What was he really trying to talk about? 
If we power read the Bible, we're Genesis to Revelation. I'm not saying don't do that. If you want to do a through the Bible, I definitely think you should start there. Read, definitely read through the Bible. Uh, but just because you read the Bible one time doesn't mean you read the Bible. What happens with the scripture is every time you get a revelation on one scripture, the entire Bible becomes a different book. And so because it's multi-layered, it's just like it's a divine uh, book. It's not a man-made thing. It's divine. And so every time you're reading through the Bible and you're, the Holy Spirit shows you something, theoretically, you've got to start from the beginning and read it all again. Because everything then changes and your perspective towards everything it says, because you have changed, that perspective changes. And now when you read something that appeared mundane to you yesterday, now you read it today and it's like, oh my gosh, that is the best scripture in the whole Bible. Because you have changed. That's the evidence that we are looking for in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're looking to change. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit is just somebody who's going to come and make us tea. And that's not what God sent the Holy Spirit here for. He sent him here to guide us into truth. Because truth then, as you know the model, we've worked on this before if you weren't here, when we believe the truth, we, are be, we become obedient to it. It's just what we do. You sat on that chair because you believe it would hold you up. We don't, God doesn't have to keep his thumb on your neck and make sure that you obey all the rules if he knows that you believe that obeying the rules is a good thing. And you know the rules, and so you use them as principles, and they guide the decision-making of your life. Today's teaching is actually called Choose Wisely. Because we are in a place where, as we talked last time, where God has given you the decision-making as to whether you have blessing or cursing in your life, whether you have health or sickness, whether you have abundance or lack, whether you have good relationships or bad. He's given all of that into your hands. So the key to it, obviously, by that model is, how do I choose wisely? How do I actually make good decisions? I have this, uh, you know, where's the mushrooms? Got some mushrooms around here. Just, yeah, take a bunch and set them on that side. This is a very familiar little game, but it'll help you to uh, get an idea of when, you're, when we're making decisions, it's kind of like you're working through one of these mazes. I don't know if you've ever seen the little, you know, the find your way from start to finish kind of maze. There's sometimes in, the, in that maze where you go the wrong way and it's a dead end. There's, there's sometimes where you can go a long way. I think it's a fairly complex, I, I tried to find the most complicated looking one. But I encourage you to try and do it. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, uh, uh, will I give it to you today? Uh, yeah, I'll give, it to you. I'll give you the hint, but the important thing about making decisions and choosing wisely is that I think most people think that they are standing still and life is coming by them, as opposed to life is actually about me moving forward along a path in my life, and that the decisions that I make are me coming up to crossroads all the time, like you do in this little game. And you have to make a decision when you get through one of the gateways that are in the game. You have to decide, do I go straight, left, or right? But when I make that decision, I actually go down that path. And there are a lot of these, if you've ever played one of these games before, you can go along a path... And it can take you uh, uh, all the way to almost the finish line and you find out it's a dead-end path. They're not all, I mean, the the baby ones are kind of like if you take the wrong way, you know right away. But when you get more complicated, as life is, I don't know if you noticed that, when life gets more complicated, you can get on a wrong path and be on that wrong path that goes to a dead-end for a stinking long, long time. And then you just don't jump over the wall and get on the right path. What do you got to do? You got to go all the way. That's supposed to take your pencil off the page, by the way. That's cheating if you do. You got to go all the way back to where you started from. Now, I think the grace of God helps us a wee bit there. 
but you got to go all the way back. So you've wasted all of that time. The reason that we're, what we're actually looking for from the Holy Spirit is the wisdom to choose wisely in every single crossroad that we come to in our lives. Now, and, and I, I know it's possible, John chapter 5 tells us that when Jesus was here, how many, how many of you say Jesus is my example, he's the high watermark for a human being that can do life the way I want to do it. He said, I, never, I don't do a single thing unless I first see my father do it. Unless I know that God would make this decision that I'm about to make, I don't make it. I don't do anything. I never turn anywhere. I don't, Jesus would do this maze, zip, right to the end. He would never take a wrong turn in the, doing the maze. Probably got a bit boring for him, for sure. But he would never make a wrong turn. What does that tell us? It tells us that if we're willing to do the simple things that it takes to do this, we can progressively live a life where we are choosing wisely more often and more often and more often, which means I'm wasting less of my lead pencil, which is their image of life. I'm able to get further and further and further down the road simply because I'm learning how to choose wisely. I'm not looking for the Holy Spirit to be my goose bumper. I'm not looking for him to direct me to, to which song I should, although you can do that. But that's not the objective. The objective in my relationship with the Holy Spirit is I need to learn how to do this to, so that I can become a person who chooses wisely yeah. in the decisions that I am going to be called to make. Right. And then what happens is we get such a, strong, a, 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 a sharper trajectory to our lives that rather than just bumbling along down here for our whole lives, we can start moving forward and becoming, uh, getting deep, a greater acceleration towards the things that are really going to matter to us in our lives. Does that make some sense? Okay. Um, oh, journaling, by the way. If you're spending time with the Holy Spirit and this is just new, and don't be ashamed if it's new. Uh, really, we have not majored on this for 40 years now. And so if you have not done this, if that's not part of your daily life, to sit down, get a cup of coffee, shut off everything that beeps, and just read your Bible with the Holy Spirit. Ask him questions. I'm gonna encourage you to get a journal. Don't get just a piece of paper. Get a, like a spiral bound book, a couple bucks at the store and a pen that you enjoy or pencil or something that you enjoy writing with. And put it all together so that it always stays together and always goes with you into this time. And then just start writing and journaling what is going on in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I mentioned it, I don't know if you were here with the... With the um, pursuit of happiness that we're doing, the course that we're doing on Wednesday nights. But one of the things that I mentioned on Wednesday night was if you just rate yourself every day on how happy you actually are today, that rating process will make you happier. Also in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you just get a journal and write something down in the journal every day, you'll find that that will kind of have a gravity to get you there every day. It'll have some force with you that will help you to create the lifestyle that is heading in this, in this direction. That makes some sense? Yeah. Uh, let's, not, um, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Okay, 10 minutes. Somebody just said 10 minutes. <laughs> Tim, yes. Tim, uh, no, don't come up here. Don't come up here quite yet. I'm just trying to see which I'm going to abridge, which notes I'm not going to do today. Okay, let's talk about... So just the very basics about interacting, talking with the Holy Spirit. Uh, well, that's something that we discuss all the time. But I am always shocked to find out how many people are uncomfortable with that whole process. Can I tell you something? Interacting, talking with the Holy Spirit is a, is a non-negotiable in your journey in the New Testament. 
You might learn to talk to me and I might share some stuff with you. That's super awesome and I'm a brilliant and smart guy, but that's not the answer for you. The answer for you is going to be in, let me encourage you to develop the ability to interact with the Holy Spirit in a way that you know you are talking to him, okay? And now in order to do that, obviously it's, it sounds a lot easier than it is. Let me start there. But when you are talking or you in your quiet time with the Holy Spirit, recognize that there are three people that are talking to you. You are not crazy if you have people talking to you in your head. Uh, it's normal to be having people talk to you in your head. The only thing you need to be able to determine is who's talking. Yeah. Because uh, it's always fun with me when people come up to me and they're crying and they're terribly distraught. They go, oh, well, the devil lied to me. Well, you know, something terrible is going to happen. I said, perfect. Because you started off by saying the devil talked to me. So whatever he said is a lie. So don't worry about whatever he said was about to happen. I don't know what is going to happen, but that's not going to happen because it's a lie. And so when we can determine who's talking on the inside of us, we are ridiculously more prepared for the potential of what decision we're going to make based on the information that is being rattled around inside of my head. And so there are three voices that you are going to hear. The problem is they all sound the same, at least at first. You know, if you get a, evidently, I, I, I can't tell myself, but when you get a message on your phone from Pastor Alex and you get a message on the phone from me, evidently, I think I sound way better than he does, but most people tell me they can't tell the difference between which one of us is talking and they have to confirm. I'm sorry, is this Ian or Alex? Right? Because our voices sound the same. But I can tell you that when Tina is talking to one of us on the phone, she completely knows which one of it it is. She does not, does not sound the same to her. That's kind of what you're going to be dealing with at first. And one of, that's the biggest problem that I see people come to me with when they're saying, okay, listen on the inside to what the, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? And it says, I don't know. It just, it just sounds like me. Ah, uh, yes, it does. You have to be, that's why this requires that you take more time. Because the more time you spend with Alex and I, if you get one of us on the phone, you'll know. He has different voice inflections than me. He does better jokes than me. He does all kinds of stuff that I don't do. You would learn which of us it is without asking. The same thing happens with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the three voices, they all sound the same. So you, excuse me, you have to get wise about understanding how to determine which one it is. The first voice that you hear is actually from the kingdom of darkness. Um, I've heard people tell me that the kingdom of darkness is very intrusive. They are very forceful. That's not my experience. My experience with the suggestions that come to me from the kingdom of darkness is that they are ridiculously subtle. Like, for example, 1 plus 1 is 11. Well, theoretically, if I put two ones on the board, it would make 11. But if you think 1 plus 1 is 11, you shouldn't build a bridge. See how subtle it was that 1 plus 1 was 11? That's just very subtle. And you could go, yeah, I think that's 1 plus 1. Is, yeah, I guess. And if you think about it for too long, you're going to think 1 plus 1 is 11. And then you're going to get all your math. You're going to fail math. That's how the kingdom of darkness operates. And then there's the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if that's part of your experience with God, that you invite the Holy Spirit. Then there's also the second voice, which is the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit is also very subtle. So the kingdom of darkness whispers. Sometimes they don't whisper. They're kind of, it can be a little bit more. But they're not like showing up with a red suit on and a tail and a big sign saying, I'm about to deceive you. That's not what they do. They, it makes sense. It's just a, that's what we have to talk about it. 
But the second voice, the whole voice of the Holy Spirit, even though the Holy Spirit is God, he does not sound like Charlton Heston. He sounds like you. And he sounds just like you sound when you talk to you yourself, which is the third voice you hear on the inside of you is you talking to you. So let's, what, well, how do you do it? How do you know if they all sound the same, if they're all fairly subtle in the way they're doing things, they're not looking for big incremental changes. They're all looking for subtle changes. Slowly but surely, they'll get you to move down a particular direction. The, holy, the, the, the kingdom of darkness is trying to get you further and further and further into a deceived place. The Holy Spirit is trying to get you slowly but surely into a more truthful place based on truth. And your voice is trying to figure out everything you've experienced ever in your life since conception and draw all of that data together to figure out what should you do now. Can you tell there is a whole lot of CPU usage going on here inside of your brain every single time you have to make a decision, which is somewhere around 70,000 times a day. All this information is going on on the inside of you and you're trying to figure out left, right, or forward. Here's the key, not for me. Other people will give you other keys. The kingdom of darkness because uh, let's, take, let's take me out of the equation. Me is the analytical person that is trying to search through all the files of my life to figure out what, uh, what has worked in the past and apply that to the present. Yeah. That's what my brain does. That's actually the primary thing my brain does, your brain does. In the midst of that process of trying to decide what's the right answer right now, I have two forces that are coming to guide me. One of them wants to guide me further towards deception. The other one wants to guide me further towards truth. The way that you can tell the difference, at least how I do it, is that there's one voice that is trying to get me to prioritize me. If, you know... If Tina would stop, uh, it was, if she'd get me a cup of coffee, I'd be a lot happier right now. <laughs> Tina, I feel the Holy Spirit is telling me right now <laughs> that you need to go and get me a cup of coffee. How many of you know if that was the Holy Spirit? Who was it? It was either me or if he's trying to get, if the kingdom of darkness is trying to get me to fight with my wife, then he's going to get me to, you know, snap my fingers or whistle and tell her to go get me a cup of coffee right now. And he will definitely get me in a fight with my wife. Do you see how that suggestion is me focused? The Holy Spirit, this is going to be, you guys may quit the course after I tell you this. The Holy Spirit is never, ever going to tell you to do something where the motivating force of that is you. I just need a moment with that. If you just realize that, that when you're going to the Holy Spirit, even if what you're asking the Holy Spirit is, should I buy a motorcycle or not? which is completely a question about what will bless me. The voice of the Holy Spirit in that answer is still not going to be, you would really like the black one right there with the really big fat rear tire. That's not going to be his answer. He's going to answer somehow his voice. When you define his voice from all the others, his voice is going to be, you know, that'll be a really good time for you to sow into Tina's life when you're together, just love on her as she rides with you and, you know, take her to the store with that bike and be able to make sure that she's comfortable back there and all that kind of, that's in all the chaos of what's going to be going on inside of me as you choose your motorcycle or whatever it is you're doing, that voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, what you're doing as you do this 
you're start, you'll start periodically realizing that that voice sounds a little different than the other voices. The Holy Spirit never speaks fear. This is a, a huge problem in the kingdom. We have embraced fear as if it's normal. Can I tell you, it's not normal for a human being to be afraid. Jesus was never afraid. We've embraced fear as though it is responsible. And so when we have thoughts, you shouldn't swim in the ocean because there's sharks that are gonna eat you. Oh, I just feel it's the Holy Spirit telling me not to swim in the ocean. No, it's not. The Holy Spirit would never say something like that. Not like he would every now and again, or maybe if there was a shark, then he would tell you there was a shark. If there was a shark and he would tell you there was a shark, but he wouldn't say because it's going to eat you, you need to be afraid of it. He would just go, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And then you'll go a little closer and you'll feel like he'll go, you know, I really wouldn't do that. I really wouldn't do that. And you'll feel uneasy if you're listening. If you're not listening and you disregard it, then you'll, uh, you know, splash away. But he will never, this is important because we find, I, I hear so many people, they'll, they're following the Holy Spirit and I can tell that what they heard from the Holy Spirit is creating fear in them. Oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit is telling me I have to go to Africa and there's big mosquitoes there, I can't stand it. Now the Holy Spirit might have said, go to Africa. He didn't say, oh, by the way, there's mosquitoes that you need to be afraid of there. You added that part. See, if what we're doing is if we understand what's going on inside of us, you can actually say, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, I'm going to go to Africa one day. Then the devil came in and he said, but there's crocodiles, or not crocodiles, there's lions and mosquitoes there. And then, the, then I said, how am I ever going to pay for it? Because I've got a stronghold of lack in my life. I could define who said what on the inside of me. And I can totally see it. Now that I can see it, I am so so enabled to make the decision. If Amy and I are, if Amy and I and Kyler are in a discussion and we're negotiating, me and Kyler are on the same team and uh, we're negotiating against Amy. And so we got Amy's pretty much ready to close the deal. And she sees me go like this to Kyler. Those of you that did not see on this side, I winked at Kyler. <laughs> which should not be misinterpreted, by the way. <laughs> not that you're not a good-looking man. I'm just... <laughs> Stop digging. That's the key now. Stop digging. Now, if Amy sees me do that, yes. she puts the pen down, right. doesn't she? Wouldn't you do that? No. If you knew something, zippity-doo, something's wrong here, because they just winked at each other and I, I'm getting, I'm, there's something wrong here. Right. You put the pen down, you walk away. Yeah. Is that what you would do? Yeah. That's what this is. When we are following the Holy Spirit in the flow of life and I'm able to say that was the Holy Spirit, I'm definitely going to do that. That was the kingdom of darkness. I'm definitely going to ignore that. And this was me. Uh, me's okay, as long as me is leaning towards the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit uh, what needs me to use the common sense that I have right now. He may work on that common sense, because it may not be common or sense, but it's something that he wants me to use right now. Yeah. Because he might say, go to Africa, the rest, part, the rest of it's up to me, unless he says something else. And I need to use my common sense on what it means to actually do what he's asking me to do. But if I'm simply, this is the key, if I'm simply able to listen on the inside, take my little 15 minutes, ask the Holy Spirit a question, and listen to what the answer is. As you listen to it, realize there's three people potentially talking. And all three can talk at the same time. 
And if I can define who's who, then I know which to ignore, which to follow, and which to use as guidance. If you simply do that, over a period of time, you gain a confidence in what happens when you follow what you have determined is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Slowly but surely, you're embracing or honoring what the Holy Spirit says. You're not embracing, you're dishonoring the things you know that are fearful or dreadful or me-focused. I'm just going to ignore that. And then you're using what the Holy Spirit says in your great pool of information that you are drawing from on the inside of you that helps you to make the decision that you're presently forced or, uh, or your life is requiring of you to decide. Don't make, at first, if this is new to you, which I can almost promise you for most Christians, it's totally cool. This is quite new. When you start doing it, don't pick the biggest problem in your life and say, Lord, should I jump off this cliff or not? That's not a good place to start. Start by asking the Holy Spirit every day, what should I do today? The, the kingdom of darkness is going to say you should yell at your wife. The, the, the Holy Spirit is going to say you should serve somebody or do something nice for somebody. And you're going to say you should probably take a shower. And when you, t when you figure out those three things and what they all are, just ignore one, follow the other, and for sure, take a shower. You know, it's definitely... If we could just get it, get it to make sense like that. This is not spooky. And this is not so crazy that only the pastor can do it. It's not. This is something that is an intended mechanism of learning how to be betrothed to the Holy Spirit. For, for, for me to be the one I'm learning how to obey. It's so simple. If we would just get all of our humanity out of the way and just say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I just would like to know what you're, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to do what you say yet. Don't worry about that part yet. Just say, Holy Spirit, what do you think? Put your hand over your heart and say, Holy Spirit, I am so interested in having you live inside of my heart. Heavenly Father said, all I needed to do to have you come live in my heart, to talk to me, to guide me, to mentor me, to guide me into the truth, to show me things to come, is that I just need to ask you, would you live with me? Will you come into my heart? And so Holy Spirit, I'm so excited. Would you live in me? I'm ready to have you guide me. I want to talk. I have so many questions. I know you have the answers. I want to get to know you. I want to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. 
We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.